Joining us today on the Dialogos Radio in the Dialogos Interview Series for this, the second week of June 2015, is world-renowned journalist, writer, and filmmaker Tarika Lee. Tarika Lee is a member of the editorial committee of the New Left Review and is also a contributor to The Guardian, Counterpunch, and other publications, while he is also the author of such books as The Extreme Center, A Warning, The Obama Syndrome, and A Banker for All Seasons. Tariq, thank you for joining us today. Very good to be with you. To get us started, a little over four months ago, Syriza was elected into power in Greece, and there was a great deal of hope regarding its promises to reject economic austerity. He had expressed optimism in Syriza prior to the elections, but he has since adopted a more critical stance towards Syriza. How do you evaluate Syriza's first months in office? Everyone was, uh, of course, hoping that they would be able to do much more. I am perfectly aware of how difficult the situation is and would be for any party of the left uh, that won an election in any country in Europe today, because they confront uh, powerful and strong uh, enemies who do not wish to have any radical model of politics and economics succeed or even move two steps forward. They would rather destroy it, whatever the cost. And I think that is what the EU uh, and, of course, the German leadership, which is the strongest player in the EU, as well as the United States, are attempting to do. Uh, The United States plays a soft cop or a less hard cop, and the Germans are playing a hard cop, and they're the ones who are essentially formulating policies. I say this so that there's no misunderstanding. We know what the problems are. We know uh, that there's a big campaign against Syriza within the EU. The way they've been spoken to, the way their leaders have been addressed is nothing short of disgusting. So why am I critical? My Criticism is basically that they were co- they should have known that this would be the response of Europe. Uh, they've wasted too much time, in my opinion, traveling all over Europe and meeting uh, politicians and prime ministers uh, who never were on their side in the first place, who in many cases, uh, the Holland in France, for example, campaigned against them. And the notion that they could split off if they really believed it, it was crazy, that they could split off some of the EU countries from the Germans. It didn't happen. Uh, It was very unlikely that this would happen. And even, you know, the the countries who are uh, facing the wrath of the EU and doing their bidding, they were even more critical, the Portuguese, the Irish, because they've capitulated. Now, what could have been done and what I argued should have been done is that the Syriza government, democratically elected, with its own program, should have come back from the first round of negotiations and told the people. Now, they say we we can't do this because these are confidential meetings. But hell, these are not confidential meetings because the Financial Times and other newspapers uh, in in Europe and elsewhere know exactly what happened. They're getting leaks and our side hasn't been getting leaks at all. So that was a problem that they didn't come home and tell the people what was really going on. 
A second problem, even greater, was that they attempted to pretend that they were making progress. This was not the case. There was very little progress made. Of course, some gains, tiny small gains were there that they said that the members of the Troika wouldn't be allowed into Greek government offices uh, to supervise. Everything had to be done through the Greek government, and they would decide what they would do and what they wouldn't do. That was a change from the previous uh, coalition governments. But it wasn't enough. And today, we are now at the crossroads in Greece, I fear, that I don't think they're going to get their demands. So the choice now is capitulate, surrender, or default and fight back. And they have weakened themselves if they're going to be forced into doing the latter by not telling people what has been going on for the last few months. And that is my big criticism and deep worry about the situation in Greece. We are speaking with author, journalist, and analyst Tariq Ali here on Lialogos Radio and Lialogos interview series. And Tariq, to expand a little more on some of the issues that you raised, there's many who have held the Greek finance minister Yanis Varoufakis in very high regard for his actions. And yet Varoufakis, in his initial negotiations with the Eurogroup, proposed a continuation of 70% of the previous austerity measures. He has said since then that the lenders, including the IMF and the European Central Bank, will be repaid in full, and he was also part of the committee more recently that selected a former World Bank representative, Elena Panaritis, as the Greek representative to the IMF, while privatizations are also continuing in Greece. What do you make of these actions and these continued policies? Well, I disagree with them very strongly, uh, especially the privatizations, which people hate. It's money being made. It's, it's a way to uh, make money by using the crisis in Greece. And it was attacked by Syriza during the election campaign, and they pledged that they wouldn't do it. Uh, Varoufakis, uh, who I know slightly, uh, is an intelligent uh, economist, but not a great politician. And effectively, he thinks in an extremely narrow-minded way, no strategic uh, vision, which is very sad. I don't agree with uh, any of these measures taken, which you pointed out, and the appointment of this uh, ex-Pasok Hackett to the IMF, I think, is a, is a case in point. I think what they're trying to do is move to the center to try and show people, look, we're doing our best, we are nice, moderate people, but still they're crushing us. But I don't think anyone has any doubt about what they're trying to prove inside Greece itself, but the situation now is such that you can't play these games any longer. You have to choose. Surrender uh, if you want, but people will know that. You know, you can say that this was a, it's a sort of the only compromise solution we, will, we, we, we could get, but if it's basically caving into the demands of the EU elite, then it is a surrender. And it's a very, very dangerous move because what it then shows the rest of Europe is don't bother participating in elections. Nothing you can do is going to change anything. And that then affects other radical groups in the Mediterranean region and elsewhere. So I, of course, I'm you know, not at all happy about this. 
Now, after over five years of austerity in Greece and in other crisis-stricken countries in Europe, it is evident to many that these policies are not working, at least for the economies and the people of these countries. In your opinion, why is there such a continued insistence on the part of the European Union, the German government, and the other so-called institutions to stay the course and to continue pushing further austerity? I think the reason is political, really, because no serious economist someone I regard, regard as serious, and I mean bourgeois economists, are saying that this is going to work. In fact, many of them, the Americans particularly, but not just the Americans, even some of the columnists in the Financial Times are saying that this is not going to work at all, uh, that it is proving disastrous, and that uh, a new course is needed. But uh, it's easy to say, and it's correct, but a new course seriously pursued would challenge the fundamentals of neoliberal economics because what the opponents are proposing is uh, effectively a form of Keynesianism, you know, center Keynesianism or left-wing Keynesianism, but that is all that is being proposed by anyone who is opposed to neoliberalism in Europe today. And for them to permit this would be to accept a defeat. And what they are frightened about is that it would open up a new space for movements and radical currents to emerge, which would challenge them. And they're not prepared to do that. And secondly, they don't care. I mean, you know, these are politicians and bankers who effectively are keen on one thing, which is to preserving and maintaining the level of profits. They don't care a damn if people suffer. You know, that the world, the 20th century world has changed very drastically in this new century. And they feel no reason. They don't feel threatened by anyone. So unless there was a sort of revolutionary upheaval or a semi-revolutionary upheaval or political insurrections, they will carry on like this. This is why Greece is so important that, you know, had the Syriza government, it's not too late still, said to the people of Greece, these are the choices on offer and we are going to push a referendum through and there'll be one question. Should we stay in the Eurozone at any cost? That's the question you need. If the people say no, if the Eurozone and it, the politicians who control the Euro make impossible demands, then you have the right to leave. At the moment, the 70% of Greeks are opposed to leaving the Eurozone, and that also puts pressure on the government. But uh, there are ways around it. You know, they have to be told very clearly, these are the choices. And we were elected to fight against what is being offered. And we've ended up in a, in not in a good position, but now this is what we are proposing to do, A, B, C, D, E. The Europeans seem pretty confident, actually, that Greece will capitulate. I mean, if you look at the German press and the French press, uh, they don't think there's going to be any uh, too much resistance. And that will create a crisis inside Greece itself and within Syria. We are on the air with author, journalist, and analyst Tariq Ali here on the Dialogos Radio in the Dialogos interview series. And Tariq, in your view, what has the impact of IMF involvement in countries and economies around the world been historically? Has any country, to your knowledge, been able to return to prosperity or to emerge out of an economic crisis with the policies that the IMF has prescribed? 
No, on the contrary. Uh, it's, it's put these countries in an even worse crisis. It's heightened disparities in uh, wealth. It has led to the... Uh, especially since the advent of neoliberal uh, economics, it has uh, uh, led to virtual destruction of the social infrastructure of many, many countries in different parts of the globe. The only continent where they were where they were resisted after having their way for many decades is South America. Uh, first, the Argentinians reneged on the debt. Uh, and reached an agreement to pay a tiny proportion of it. The Venezuelans effectively pushed through a political insurrection uh, via the ballot box and elected a leadership which destroyed, uh, really, politically, the coalition parties that had backed the IMF uh, demands, likewise Bolivia, uh, likewise um, Ecuador to a, to a certain extent. So th the, the Latin American continent, South America, has succeeded in doing this. Not happened anywhere in Europe. And this is why Syriza in Greece and Podemos in Spain are so important. But the IMF's function is to defend economic orthodoxy, whether it's Keynesianism as it was in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and, and uh, to a certain extent the early 70s, or if the overall conception of what needs to be done changes in Washington, and then a new consensus is established, which says that the way forward is neoliberalism, privatizations, the entry of private capital into the most hallowed domains of uh, social provision, then that is what they push. They never do anything that is in the interests of the countries to whom they are lending money. I mean, Greece is a case in point. In 2010, you wrote a book titled The Obama Syndrome, which critiqued the Obama administration for such things as bringing the architects of the global financial meltdown into the White House, for continuing the so-called War of Terror, and for continuing the Bush administration's tax cuts for the wealthy. Do you see any parallels between Obama and Syriza in its first few months in terms of the hope that they promised to the voters and the actions which they followed? No, I don't. And I think it's foolish to compare Cyprus to Obama. I mean, Obama is the leader of the world's only uh, imperialist power. He belongs to a party which has exercised imperial power for many decades. Uh, he works with the largest army in the world. And I never thought that Obama's promises, which were you know, largely PR confections, added up to much. So I don't think we should go over the top and begin comparing uh, uh, Cyprus to Obama, it, there's no comparison at all. You know, uh, Obama was a guy who was very effective as a politician. He managed to get himself elected, but most of what he promised was pretty uh, vapid. And the health bill, which he finally pushed through, was done with the backing of the insurance companies and the pharmaceuticals. It's, it's true that it might have improved or possibly could improve conditions for some people. But, you know, the, ju the jury is still out on that. Apart from that, he's done absolutely nothing that Bush wouldn't be proud of. And this is a continue, uh, you know, a sort of tweedledum tweedledee politics, which has characterized the United States now 
Kennedy a century. So it's a very, very different operation. Uh, Syriza is a radical party composed of various uh, parts of the left, a coalition where there's debate and where uh, at the last Central Committee meeting, a left platform won 44% of the vote. So there's no comparison at all. We are speaking with author, journalist, and analyst Tariq Ali here on Lialogos Radio in a Lialogos interview series. And Tariq, as far as the European Union is concerned, we've seen recently the electoral victory of the conservatives in the United Kingdom and their ambivalence toward the European Union. We've seen the rise of far-right parties in much of Europe. We've seen also the EU's harsh stance on the immigration issue and, of course, its continued inflexibility when it comes to Greece and other crisis-hit countries when it comes to the austerity measures being enforced. What do you believe the future of the so-called European dream will be? And do you believe that the EU even has a future? Well, uh, the big problem, I think, is, and here the left, by and large, all over Europe, is very confused on this issue, in my opinion, which is one reason why people are going to the uh, far-right parties in uh, you know, some, some countries. I feel that while we're all internationalists and while a radical European Union or a, a social union that helps each other is something very desirable, what we have got instead is a, a machine for financialization of capital, for defending exclusively the interests of the wealthy and of punishing those who try and break out from the system and using the euro to effectively create a system, a new, new colonial system, where lots of small countries have no sovereignty at all. The Balkan states, minus Serbia, which has not yet been allowed in, are very indicative of this crisis. The island is, uh, uh, Portugal is, uh, to a certain extent, some of the uh, you know less important countries are now themselves under huge pressure to privatize and to push through what they laughably call reforms. But what they really are talking about is regressive measures to take more and more rights, social rights away from the working class and from the less privileged sections of the population in the interests of the bankers and the hedge fund owners and the uh, uh, billionaires. This is what the European Union has become, a machine to enhance the grip of capital over politics. And as a result, democracy itself is now under threat. And uh, the European Union, in my view, has become a deeply reactionary institution. This is now very clear. And they're scared of allowing people to vote. This is very interesting. Uh, a Guardian columnist who used to work for Le Monde uh, the other day said that, you know, the danger of having a referendum in Britain is that the French might demand one too. Well, the French did demand one on the Constitution and rejected it, despite the fact that the entire media was in favor of it. So we will see what happens. My own opinion is that I certainly will not be voting in favor of the European Union. I mean, I think for anyone on the left to do this, given that we now have a record of how this union has functioned, what this union is, total lack of democracy in it, 
and effectively power is exercised by three or four countries. Why why should tolerate this any longer? I mean, just it, it you know, I see it as the left's internationalist duty towards Greece and other countries to break the link and say we are not in favor of this Europe. That is what I think the left should do. As far as the European Union itself is concerned, if you look at how the Germans have dealt with Greece, my feeling is they want Greece out. And they're not that bothered if Britain, the British uh, electorate votes to quit Europe. I, I'm not sure that that will happen, by the way, but they're not that bothered because they can still carry on doing economic deals, uh, do deals on another level. And uh, at the same time, it will give them the opportunity to restructure the union, which will probably reduce the standing even more of the small countries who were flooded into the European Union with the US and UK backing to prevent the Germans from getting too strong. What's going on now, I think, is that there is a great deal of discussion and debate within the German elite as to what is the best way to, to restructure the European Union. So they are not that bothered. That's my reading of the situation. You mentioned your proposal earlier of a referendum being held in Greece regarding the issue of staying within a Eurozone or departing from the Eurozone. What else do you believe Greece should do in order to get out of the crisis and this cycle of austerity? And what do you believe the Greek people should do to hold their government accountable? Well, I think the Greek people, you know, the government is very popular. We shouldn't have any doubt about that. Tsipras is the most popular politician in the country. Uh, his ratings are very high. I, this, these are hard facts and realities that one has got to deal with and which the government is facing. You know, I mean, they know that there's big support for the Eurozone and they haven't, for that reason, even thought of a serious uh, plan B or an alternative. They're stuck in this cry. What, sh what should they do? I think it's very clear now that the demands being put on Greece by the EU and the IMF are unacceptable. And I think that the Greek leadership Cyprus in particular should broadcast to the nation, should travel the country telling people this is what's going on. This is how far we've been prepared to go. He can use their weaknesses. This is how far we've been prepared to go. They won't accept it and they want to crush us. So the only choice now we have, serious choice, is to default and create a new currency for inside Greece while retaining the euro as a trading currency. That is what we're about to do, and we need your support to do this. Now, I don't know whether this is going to happen. It, they might be forced to do it in the worst possible circumstances without any preparation at all, but we shall see. We are on the air with author, journalist, and analyst Tarika Lee here on the Dialogos Radio and the Dialogos interview series. And Tariq, in closing, please share with our listeners a few words about your upcoming visit to Greece as part of the Resistance Festival. Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I go to Greece quite regularly, uh, let me say, and have been doing so for the last 10 years. Uh, you know, made many trips, had many friends in contact with many groups. Last year, I went and did uh, did uh, the Syriza Youth Congress, uh, the festival. I spoke uh, with Cypras and other comrades on the platform. So I, I know the country well, and I'm really looking forward to 
going there now in this situation of crisis and not just talking to them, but actually discussing with them as to how we can all move forward. Because have no doubt about it, what happens in Greece is extremely important for progressive forces in the rest of Europe. So I'm looking forward to this. I'm looking forward to another conference I'm going to in Athens in uh, July. So I have two events which uh, will give one you know, an opportunity to see on the ground what's going on. And by that time, I think some decision will have been made. So we shall see. Tariq, thank you very much for taking the time to speak with us today here on the Alagos Radio and the Alagos Interview Series. Okay. Thank you very much.